Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy game day, everybody. What is up? Hustler Remus with you with another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk heading into 7.30 kickoff tonight. IG Field. Bombers looking to stay on top of the Canadian Football League and get to nine wins on the season against the Montreal Alouettes, who come in at 6-3 and three on the year. Going to be a great show, busy one, because we'll have Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports jump on with us in a few minutes to get the uh, Bombers side of things heading into tonight's tilt. And we'll also have our pal Mo Khan in Montreal fill us in on the visiting Montreal Alouettes. In addition to that, our weekly hit with our pal Ken Weeb. Find out how he did out the Tamarack tournament. Talk a little bit of Jets offseason. And with some big news in the NHL last night after we finished the program in the Austin Matthews extension, we will hit that with Dave McCarthy in TO before the end of the program as well. Buckle up. Great to have you all with us. Shout out to everyone listening on the podcast, wherever you are. Maybe many of you heading to the game right now. Thanks for making this a part of your day. And of course, our loyal YouTube audience, great to see you all. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already and hit the thumbs up as well. Just before we get Michael Remus in here, big thanks to our sponsors and of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk and the game sponsor tonight for the Armed Forces Appreciation Night at the, uh, at the stadium. Princess Auto Tailgate Zone gets going at 5.30. Get there early, have some fun. Couple cheap beers, hot dogs before the game and get ready to get loud at 7.30 p.m. Of course, our friends at Coolbet as well. If you check the Coolbet exclusives, have cooked up a single-game parlay for the game tonight for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That includes a bomber win. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but you can get that in the Coolbet exclusives anytime before kickoff. And, of course, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery and Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel and the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza and Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Assiniboia Downs, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who are also at home tonight. And of course, have a busy weekend planned for the final homestand of the regular season. Andrew Collier will join us tomorrow on WST to set up the final regular season home games down at the ballpark. Michael Remus. What is going on, my friend? I'm feeling good. I'm hyped. Uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet from Chris D of ChrisD.ca today. He mentioned me, gave me credit. Uh, said Thursday in the summer is basically Friday. So happy, basically Friday, everyone. There's a bomber game tonight, and I saw Darren Cameron tweeting. It's like almost sold out. So I'm looking forward to a great evening. And the weather we talked about yesterday. There's some fog this morning, but seems to be cooperating. So I'm I'm very pumped uh, for tonight's Bombers Alouettes game. I'm gonna have to check out your exclusive so I can uh, enjoy it even more. Yes, well, the exclusive just to let you know we've cooked up is Bombers to win. Didn't touch the point spread on this one. Zach Calero, I think Zach's gonna have a big game coming back. So two touchdowns from Zach. And we're going to go with the overs on Dalton Schoen and Kenny Lawler. So I think it's 64 receiving yards for Dalton Schoen, 76 or more for Kenny Lawler. And oh. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be a different game um, than the one that these two teams played earlier in the season. Of course, that was the game coming off the Bombers getting waxed at home by BC. 
and they went into Montreal, and that was a long rain delay game. That was the Canada Day game, if I recall correctly, because was at a Canada Day party waiting for the uh, the game to get going with all that big long delay. But if you recall, that game was all Winnipeg defense. Um, you know, the Bomber offense was in cruise control basically for most of the game. They controlled field position and gave Montreal almost nothing in that seven seventeen to three win. Would love to see the Bomber defense manhandle Montreal the way they did earlier this season. Not sure we can expect three points or less, but I certainly do think that you know with Zach back. Uh, I'm hoping at least to see an offense that looks a little bit like the one that dropped a 50-burger on the B- uh, BC Lions the last time they played at home. And the Bombers have been a really strong home, a really strong home team despite that loss to BC. 8-3 and three against the spread in their last 11 games at home. And for the Montreal uh, part, side of things, yes, they are 6-3, and three, but they have really eaten up the teams below them in the standings. They're moving up a couple weight classes here against the Western Division defending champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Montreal, for that matter, 0-4 in their last four against the spread against teams with a winning record. But Montreal's been a good story so far this year. And, of course, Cody Fajardo back behind center tonight for Montreal, Reem. Yeah, you were telling me before the show how Montreal hasn't done well against teams with winning records, and we'll see how they do. And Fajardo, nice to have both starting quarterbacks who missed last week with injury back tonight. You want to see the best players, and he's actually been pretty solid. Uh, what is he? Sixty-seven percent pass percentage, fifth in the league in yards. Touchdown interception ratios okay, six six to five, but you know a lot of that they punch it in on the on the ground. So we'll see it. We'll see how it looks. I'm excited to get a look at Austin Mack. I think a lot of comparisons with him and Dalton Schoen, you know, coming out of college, uh, leading the league in receiving as a rookie. You know, big guy. So he's got what? He's got seven. You know, leading league in yards, seven hundred seventy three yards, forty eight catches. We'll. Looking forward to seeing uh, what he can do because we talked yesterday. Just you know, they lost Geno Lewis; he was such a big part of their offense, and they seem to have replaced him with a, a rookie. So uh, nicely done uh, by the Owls there. Yeah, and uh, let's see. Uh, so fifteen hours ago, what is that? That would be like ten o'clock last night. The Bombers tweeted out only twelve hundred tickets left for tonight's showdown at IG Field. Uh, and uh, earlier, and you just referred to this, um, Darren Cameron saying less than this now, going to be an amazing crowd tonight. I will be there. I am so here for it. And as we mentioned, is the Princess Auto game, but also the Armed Forces night, and there's going to be a flyby from two CT-155 Hawk training aircrafts from 15 wing before the kickoff. So as I said, get there early, folks. Get on down to the Princess Auto tailgate zone. Get a couple in you. Get ready to get loud. Enjoy the flyover. And then enjoy what should be a great game. We'll talk more about this from both the Bombers and the Alouette side. Darren Bauman coming up. Mocon as well. Uh, and then we'll get to uh, Ken Weeb as well as Dave McCarthy with a little offseason hockey talk and a big signing for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Austin Matthews staying for another four years. But Rio, before we get to that, the Stanley Cup continues is red its residency here in the province of manitoba of course it was here earlier this summer 
Uh, we got a chance to be a part of the Mark Stone celebration out of Breezy Bend, which was uh, it was a lot of fun. We were talking to the guys from the Hockey Hall of Fame that handled the cup. They had to take it overseas, was running around to a few other spots, and then it's been back here in Winnipeg again this week. Keegan Colasar having a good time with it, had it out at Red River Community Center. I believe that's where he kind of grew up playing his minor hockey. I think he took it out to Rossmere. Not sure whether it made it out onto the course or just a little bit of a party, but maybe the coolest of the Stanley of the days with the cup happened yesterday right here in Western Manitoba. And of course, Zach White Cloud, who has become, you know, a uh, very, very important part of that Vegas Golden Knight defense, uh, a Manitoba Junior Hockey League grad, former NCAA player, and a proud member of the Sioux Valley First Nation brought the cup home. Uh, and I know that there is a number of spots, but if you're with us on YouTube right now, you can see, I believe they had a big powwow, really cool scenes of these horses carrying Zach in a, uh, in a what do you call that? So like a carriage basically with the cup. And, you know, I saw a bunch of the reports, uh, you know, global was there and some of the news people there, um, the incredible amount of pride that this victory and Zach's career really has done for everyone there in Sioux Valley, but honestly, indigenous kids around Canada, um, you know, he, he has been a real inspiration. And I think in a lot of ways, Vegas sort of saved the best for last. I, I'm not sure there'll be scenes like this uh, that are important to so many people um, that we saw yesterday out at Sioux Valley when Zach Whitecloud brought the cup home as a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, I know Mike McIntyre was there taking pictures, and shout out to uh, a guy from Vegas Golden Knights content, Nate Ewell, who uh, put out these. He's just content for the Golden Knights, and I mean, their Golden Knights are here checking out what's going on, and we'll see Keegan Colasar uh, with the cup, and again, Zach Whitecloud in Sioux Valley, Dakota Nation. Like a great, uh, a great event there, and uh, if you're on the YouTube, uh, here are some awesome pictures and podcast listeners. Come on down and and check it out, or check out the Golden Knights uh, YouTube. And it's amazing, you know, anywhere you go with the Stanley Cup, it's a head turner. Oh yeah, um, and it's been. I mean, I saw someone, a friend on Instagram who like was walking around Winnipeg and just saw the Stanley Cup randomly somewhere and got a picture uh, with it. Um, so it's pretty cool that it's been in Manitoba uh, so often and you know so many local stories and, and you know people taking the cup back to and where it all began for them. Like Mark Stone, the house you grew up in or community center, again Keegan Colesar, the community center, and uh Zach White White Cloud here as well as we show the pictures. So this is um some pretty special you know, once in a lifetime celebrations that you will definitely remember. Well, and yeah, and listen, I mean, I think, you know, we all realize that, um, you know, anybody that wins the Stanley Cup, if they get the chance to get that thing for a day and have their name on it and go back, it's going to be, you know, a day that they will never forget. And I'm sure that was absolutely the case for Zach. Um, but what really is so cool is just what a, um, you know, what an uplifting story and an inspirational uh, young man he is. Um, both here in the province for young hockey players, but also for young Indigenous people and Indigenous athletes. And the scenes there yesterday were really, really cool. Mm. However, we, we talked about that first, obviously, because that was what was most important to, um, you know, the, uh, the, the the folks out in Westman um, and certainly the people at Sioux Valley. But Zach Whitecloud, 
um, establish himself as maybe the most legit Manitoban of all time. Everyone knows how weird we are being in this cold climate in the winter and yet still crushing Slurpees 365 days a year. Winnipeg, the Slurpee capital of the world for, what, 20 years running. Uh, and that's not just in Winnipeg. It's uh, elsewhere. And here's Zach Whitecloud <laughs> and his boys bringing the Stanley Cup into a Brandon Sev putting up hockey's holy grail to the Slurpee machine and filling it up with Coke Slurpee. There's been a lot of things that have been put in that Stanley Cup before. I'm not sure it's ever rolled in to one of our favorite convenience stores and got filled up by the official drink of our province, or maybe unofficial drink of our province, the 7-Eleven Slurpee. But um, that was all-time Manitoba Stanley Cup celebration right there, Remus. I've seen a lot of stuff in the Stanley Cup. You know, we've seen Phil Kessel do hot dogs or popcorn or you know, you see guys drink, you know, alcohol or whatever out of it. I don't know if I've ever seen this before and for it be so much in Manitoba. And I mean, you look at them, walk in, there's a huge, there's a huge line, you know, it was a hot day yesterday and to go fill it up with that's, I remember bringing like my own cup in there. I go all the time and see us, the Stanley cup. That's awesome. Uh, I love that. So uh, I would, I would drink Slurpee out of the, out of the Stanley cup. And I don't know, would you want to evaluate? And I will say this too. You know, I know it's um, Slurpee capital of the world, 20 years running, but I went to Palm Springs once and it was like, oh, I'll get a Slurpee. It's pretty nice here. Wasn't even the same drink. It wasn't the same. Um, I've heard from other people in other provinces. It's not the same. I don't know if we get the best machines or what, but there's something here that resonates with the people. But I'm surprised he went straight Coke. I don't know if there was more where he mixed and matched. I usually layer, layer like Sprite, Coke. Um, there was a good wild cherry mania was my favorite, but that was like 20 years ago. Now they haven't had that for a while. The, uh, I, I've always liked in the summer often we'll get like a lemonade version of uh, the Slurpee. That mm-hmm. probably might be my number one. I was always being orange and lime. I think were probably my two favorites growing up. Now we've gotten into a whole bunch of next level ones. Uh, Mountain Dew, actually another Another personal favorite. But listen, everyone knows I am a Sev guy, about as regular as they come. I am more Big Gulp than Slurpees, which is a little strange considering everyone does drink Slurpees. However, if I ever won the cup and I was bringing it to my local Sev to get filled up, you got to go Slurpee. I mean, you're not putting a fountain drink in that sucker. Um, Anyways, great scenes yesterday out in Westman with the Stanley Cup and you know, I, just seeing that, you know, everything that happened out at Sioux Valley and frankly seeing, you know, the Mark Stone party and what Keegan Colasar and Brett Howden out in Oak Bank. Um, and I know um, the, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of people that have had their hands on that cup this year. It does make you think like just how incredible it would be if, at some point in our lifetimes, the Jets were able to win the cup. But not only that, but can you imagine being a local a local player, a Manitoban, on a Jets team that won the cup and what that celebration would be like? I mean, you want to talk about etching your name in history forever. Um, that would be it. Might be a little ways away. Um, that being said, 
Everybody starts at zero come the season. We're looking forward to it. Training camp coming up next week. Um, but um, I, I'm not sure that we're on the verge of any sort of such cup celebrations, but uh, we'll see what happens this year. Maybe it'll be the last dance with Shifley and Hellebuck. They go all in and have a Panthers-like run. Although, unfortunately, the Panthers-like run was a long time. was a lot of fun for their fans, but they ended up like, 30 other teams in the NHL, and that's not having those Stanley Cup celebrations. So uh, kudos to Zach Whitecloud and everyone that took part in that, and uh, shout out to Zach for making sure that 7-Eleven was part of his uh, Stanley Cup celebration. Um, we're going to get to the Bombers very quickly with bombing, uh, but Remo, what, uh, what did you think about the big news in the NHL yesterday of a four-year extension for Austin Matthews at, I believe, 57 million bucks, 13 and a quarter. He will be the highest paid player in the league next year, surpassing, I believe, Nate McKinnon, who had the 12 6, beating Connor McDavid, who's on that eight year deal by 100 grand. Yeah, I guess you're kind of surprised that it was only four years. Uh, you thought you'd want to lock that guy up for a long term, but it was reported that he he only wanted four years. He's been taking these shorter deals, which is why he was. That to become a, a UFA after the season, a bit of a pay raise here, but not that crazy if you're looking at a, you know a guy only taking a four year deal. How old is he now? It kicks in next season. Um, he is currently 25. His birthday is September 17, so I guess he'll be you know 27 actually uh, when it kicks in. Um, so I mean, I thought it was a nice move for the Leafs to lock up your number one center. I mean, the guy's MVP. 60 goal scorer. Um, you know, I know he was battling some injuries last year, still managed 40 goals and 85 points. So I do like the deal. I think it, I think it puts the writing on the wall that William Nylander, he's probably not coming back. And I'm curious what happens there. But uh, I mean, anytime you can lock up a guy like that, he's your number one center. Um, I like, I like the move for the Leafs. Yeah. We'll talk about it with Dave McCarthy a little later on. I mean, they have Marner and Tavares making just under $22 million combined on the books for the next two years. And then, yes, Nylander's just $6.9 million deal expires at the end of this year. He's rumored to be wanting an eight-figure deal, which he could probably justify getting on the open market. He will be 28 years old when that thing kicks in. I mean, right in the prime of his career. And I mean, right now, looking at next season, that team has $26 million tied up in three players, in Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. So will they have the ability to do that? The one good thing for the Leafs is the Bertuzzi deal was one year, Max Domi's deal is one year, uh, Sam Lafferty's off the books next year, and Dylan Gambrell. And they'll also be getting more than 10 million off the books on their blue line between TJ Brody, John Klingberg and Mark Giordano. So you got to fill all those spots and you still need players, but I do see a path that they could potentially keep William Nylander. But then again, it goes back to, uh, you know, the theory, I mean, putting so many of your eggs in the basket of, of one, or in this case, four players, what does that do to the rest of your roster? And even with all the unlimited resources that the Leafs have, there is a salary cap, although we'll get to that. They're $13 million over right now. It'll be interesting to see how they manage to get down for cut day. Um, the bottom line, though, and this is something that I, I think 
you know, we wished we could have here in Winnipeg, maybe not us because it certainly gives us lots to talk about every day on Winnipeg Sports Talk, is just the clarity of the Austin Matthews situation. Because, you know, even if they said all the right things, if he was playing on an expiring contract throughout the year, that would have been a huge story week in and week out in Toronto. And now they've got their golden boy, um, signed for you know the next five seasons right through his pr- prime right now, and they can sort of move on to business. And I, I am wondering, and maybe we'll get to this with Ken a little bit later on, I mean, assuming that nothing really changes over the next little while, how much of a cloud will the status of Shifley and Connor Hellebuck be when, um, you know, for a team that's looking to uh, maybe not be distracted and focus on winning hockey games once we get going on the 11th of October in Calgary? Oh, well, we're already imagining, like, you talk about day one at uh, Jets camp. Could you imagine day one in Toronto with Austin Matthews unsigned? Like, to have, not have the, them dealing with these questions anymore, have the certainty, and shout out to Austin for breaking his own signing on Twitter. You don't see that. I mean, it was just after the show. I just finished putting up 355. Uh, he tweeted, what, I feel fortunate to continue the journey as a Maple Leaf in front of the best fans in hockey. I will do everything I can to help get us to the top of the mountain. Go Leafs, go. Hashtag Leafs forever. And Awesome tweet. Awesome tweet. And, you know, very cool that he sort of did it himself, and he's not a really active guy on social media. I mean, we'll talk to Dave McCarthy, but I'm sure there was a lot of people wondering, is this real when that came out? Um, And, hey, listen, this guy owns Toronto. He's being paid very handsomely the endorsements that he can make outside of his NHL salary, being the man in the quote-unquote center of the universe are are significant. And and listen, now it's about winning. They finally won a playoff series. Now it's time to do a little bit more, especially the way they sort of face-planted against the Panthers after they finally got over that hump. Um, But big story in the NHL, what that means, how is that comparable to many of the other deals in and around the league of top players, and what that benchmark does for free agency next year, when a lot of talented players in the league may be hitting the open market, uh, will be interesting to follow. We'll talk about it with Ken a little bit later on, and as I mentioned, Dave McCarthy will jump on. Cue your what is this Leafs lunch tweets now in the chat. It's a big story in the NHL. We thought we'd talk about it, but Bombers and Alouettes tonight. We're going to get to Darren Bombing in just a minute. But um, before we do that, uh, folks, if you need a uh, cut, beard shaping, shaves, and more, you got to get down to Modern Man Barber Shops with eight convenient locations around the city of Winnipeg to take care of all your hair care needs and more. New locations as well just opened on Pemina Highway and Plessy amongst those eight. And as I mentioned, all grooming services there for you fellas. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Easiest way to uh, to get uh, your appointment is do what I did earlier this week. Just go to modernmanbarber.com. Click on the location that you want to see. Make an appointment there, and they'll be ready for you at any of the eight Modern Man Barbershop locations. Hey, we got a nice weekend coming up. Little, you know, getting a little bit warmer. Still, some great time to enjoy the pool, and what a summer it has been for pools. Um, maybe you've been thinking about making 2023 the year you take the plunge. 
and visiting aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Of course, they also do home renovations at AquaTech with thousands of renos as their foundation. Let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. Hey, there's limited install dates left. So visit AquaTech in store or online to learn how they can make your in-ground or above-ground pool dreams a reality. Again, more information at aqua-tech.ca. Are you ready? for another great Manitoba summer weekend. One thing you're going to need, folks, is batteries to power whatever whatever you're doing. Um, you know, boat batteries, sea-dews, ATVs, campers, lawn tractors, any battery under the sun that you need, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery have it. A great local family-owned business. And what better opportunity to shop local, at a price that'll beat the pants off the big box stores. The best prices in town, bar none. And to top it all off, the best service in town. Heck, Donnie and his staff will deliver it to you anywhere in the city of Winnipeg for free for any orders over 60 bucks. It's that simple. Go to manitobabattery.com. Check out everything they've got there. Great service on the phone, too. If you'd like to order by the phone, if you have any questions. And you can also pop by and see him in person at 1026 Logan Avenue at Manitoba Battery. And hey, when you get to the stadium tonight, I know there's been issues with the liquor marts lately. One thing you won't have an issue tonight with is getting the great taste of Canadian Club at IG Field. And in addition to maybe heading down to the Rum Hut area and grabbing a couple CC and Cokes, you might want to try, if you haven't already, the delicious Canadian Club and Ginger Ale premix cocktail available in cans. You'll see them all over IG Field tonight, as, of course, Canadian Club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But in the meantime, you can also try it. And, hey, if you're not even getting there, you're looking to try it, pop by your local beer store, even if your LC is closed. CC and Ginger in can, 473-milliliter cans and six-packs available throughout the city at your favorite beer store. All right, let's get ready for the 7.30 kickoff tonight. A guy that will be firing it up on Bonfire Sports after the final kickoff tonight with post-game coverage is Darren Bombing, and he joins us now. What is up, DB? How are you? What's happening? What's happening? Feeling good. Looking forward to tonight. It's going to be a raucous crowd at the Madhouse. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, this whole season has been amazing. And I was wondering whether some of these Thursday games at this point of the season might might hurt attendance a bit. <laughs> Far from it. Monster crowd for the Edmonton game. BC game was huge. And now we've got a Thursday night tilt with the Montreal Alouettes at the end of summer. And it sounds like there's less than a thousand tickets available for this game tonight. Uh, the scene is set for a big tilt between two teams with winning records and arguably two of the best four teams in the Canadian Football League. They are. The, these are, you know, two teams in that top tier of the Canadian Football League and two of the hottest teams right now too. Montreal, a 2-0 and start to the season. They then fell to 2-2, two and two, that first loss happening uh, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers back in, in CFL Week 4. And uh, they were sitting at 500 and people were kind of wondering what this Montreal Alouettes team would be with Jason Moss and Cody Fajardo and a lot of changes, you know, up and down their lineup. But they have really turned it on as of late and they have done it with defense. Tyrese Bevred is their weak side linebacker. He reminds me a lot of Kyrie Hebert of Blue Bombers and Montreal Alouettes teams a years gone by. 
big, fast, physical, and can play defensive back, frankly, in a pinch. So, um, you know, everything really works around that middle of their defense. They've got talented guys on the outside and the back end. They have got a very good pass rush. Sean Lemon has obviously been a beast since uh, getting back into the league this year and, and signing with the Montreal Alouettes almost at a sack per game pace. Um, they really put pressure on opposing offenses. And well, maybe it's just what the doctor ordered getting Zach Kolaris back. Not that I think Drew Brown played particularly poorly in Calgary last week. I think Calgary's defense did a very good job. It's Winnipeg's offense as a whole that needs to play a very strong, consistent game tonight against a very good defense. They got to score early, Hustler. I feel that is going to be so important, especially with nearly 33,000 people there. Yeah, you, you know, I, I'm expecting a, a lot more offense in this game than we saw in the previous meeting. Um, and, of course, that game, the Bombers were sort of licking their wounds coming off of that loss to at home to the BC Lions and went in and absolutely smothered Montreal, giving up only three points. And that was a game where the offense didn't really – they were never really tested. They were comfortably in, in, in control of the game. And they did move the football, but really played it more of a field position game, Darren. And I think you have to assume that Montreal will be able to put a few more points up than they did in the three spot earlier this week. But to me, I mean, my focus, at least from the defensive perspective, can they dominate the line of scrimmage in the Montreal offensive line like they did earlier? And then on an offensive side of things, Let's see Zach Caleros and the uh, that bomb squad get back to what they did against the British Columbia Lions, putting up that 50-burger. And I think Zach will be very hungry to do that, considering the way the Edmonton game was going, leading up to him getting knocked out. And, of course, Drew Brown holding the fort down and getting a win, but not quite a uh, A game from the bomber offense tonight, uh, last week. No, it wasn't. And, again, I'm with you. I don't think you should put that solely on... Drew Brown, I think uh, Calgary's defense did a very good job, especially in the run defense. The way Brady Oliveira had 70-plus yards in the first half and then finished the game with 80. A lot of people criticizing Winnipeg for going away from the run. We asked Mike O'Shea about that this week. He said, well, we tried. Calgary clearly had a very good game plan in place to take away that second-half run game of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That has been so critical and important to slowing the game down and, and allowing Winnipeg's offense to play ball position or ball possession football. Um, tonight for the blue bombers defense, I think the focus will really be on a, a couple different things. Um, Walter Fletcher returns to the lineup. Chandler worthy is back again. He will start at wide receiver. We know what he can do in the return game. Very dangerous player. The run game I, I think will be, uh, you know, with William Stanback and Walter Fletcher, kind of a one-two punch. Jeshren Antwi, the Canadian, uh, comes in uh, in spot duty, usually in the second half as well. They're going to keep those guys fresh and, and really try to run the football because uh, when you're in a loud building, it's a lot easier to run an offense when, uh, you know, the ball carrier and things are kind of staying between the tackles. That said, having Chandler Worthy on the outside and having Austin Mack, who is really the Dalton Schoen of 2023, an incredible uh, rookie breakout player uh, at receiver for the Montreal Alouettes. You know, they're getting Cody Fajardo back, but all of those players have been playing incredibly well on the offensive side of the ball, even when Fajardo was down with injury. Um, 
Austin Mack, you know, uh, we heard from head coach Mike O'Shea on Game Day Winnipeg, our pregame show that Chris Walby and I did uh, a little bit earlier today, and you can still watch on Bonfire Sports as you get ready for the game tonight. Um, O'Shea talked about Austin Mack and how he just seemingly always gets open, and fans want to know who's going to be covering him. A lot has been said about Demario Houston, leading the league with seven interceptions, responsible for 10 takeaways this year, far and away uh, ahead of everybody else in the Canadian Football League. He is a bit of a riverboat gambler, right? He likes to take those chances, those opportunities to get his hands on the football, but we've also seen him get beat in deep coverage at times. So for Austin Mack and and, uh, uh, Demario Houston, I think that's going to be a critical matchup. If Winnipeg can do it, I think they would like to get Dietrich Nichols on Austin Mack because he is just, I call him the human tarpaulin. The guy is a tarp. He covers absolutely everything. Uh, Nobody talks about him because you just don't hear his name during the game broadcasts because quarterbacks don't throw his way. Dietrich Nichols is the key to Winnipeg stopping a premier receiver. And tonight that's Austin Mack. We'll see if Cody Fajardo is able to get something going. And you know what I would throw in, um, you know, (laughs) the bomber, defensive line um because mm-hmm. listen Fajardo is a guy that like listen he's had some long long afternoons at IG field <laughs> and <laughs> yes, uh, uh and if you know Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson are in his face and Cody Fajardo does not have time to you know get the football to Austin Mack um to me that's where it starts for Winnipeg and um, you know, the line of scrimmage, we talked about it all. And the BC games are a perfect example. BC absolutely steamrolled the Bombers in game number one of this season on the offensive line, and the game was 30-6. to six. The Bombers completely flipped that script in the rematch between those clubs, and they put up 50 on British Columbia and one in a laugher. To me, um, you know, if they don't get to Cody Fajardo, then there's a path for the Montreal Alouettes to be in this game, hell, to win this game. They did win in Winnipeg last year in overtime. But if the yep. Bomber defensive line kind of establishes themselves as the uh, as the best unit on the field, uh, I, I think that entire passing game, uh, put it this way, the Demario Houstons, I think, are going to have an opportunity to continue doing what they've been doing because you got to rush the football, and that's where mistakes happen. No question. No question. Winnipeg's done a great job this year in in giving opponents different looks uh, when they have uh, offensive possession. Uh, Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffcoat, those are the guys that you you hear the most of. But seeing Dietrich Nichols come off the edge in blitz, seeing Brandon Alexander uh, and and Adam Big Hill come off the edge in blitz or, or or come off the middle, guys doing different twists and stunts, um, you know, in, in the middle of that defensive line. Winnipeg is creative with how they do it. And I talked about this on the pregame today too, Hustler. I don't know about you. I have a feeling you're in the same line of thinking as me. I do not understand CFL.ca. Like they do great work over there, but only one of their multiple writers even mentioned Willie Jefferson in their midseason awards. And that was Christina Constable showing that she is, you know, one of the sharpest minds in Canadian football today. Uh, they look at Matthew Betts. They look at Micah Awe because the numbers are there. How do you not put Willie Jefferson atop the list of most outstanding defensive players in the league? Knockdowns, pressures, sacks, and what the guys around him are able to do 
uh, you know, when when Jefferson is on the field. It's Jackson Jeffcoat having big games. It's uh, Jake Thomas. Jake the Snake has been finding ways to slither through and uh, take down the quarterback in, I think, three straight games now. He's got a whack of sacks uh, in August. So, you know, you can look at numbers, tackles, all of that, all you want, sacks, whatever. Watch the games and see how offenses adjust to Willie Jefferson. He is a game breaker because he disrupts everything. And when they keep him on the outside and he is not pressuring the quarterback or not drawing a double team, he's smart enough to kind of just lurk in the shadows, jump up and knock uh, a ball down. That is his trademark right now. Really, it's been his trademark his entire pro career. But um, I I do not understand why Willie Jefferson isn't getting more love. It's crazy to me. He's the most complete, uh, the most complete player on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion, in the Canadian football I'll just sip my coffee like Kermit. Um, And you know, you make you make a great point. Now, I will say this: Jackson Jeffcoat is such a problem as well. I mean, when he is there on the other side of the line of scrimmage, both of those players. I mean, like, what do you do? Pick your poison, basically. Um, and the point about Jake as well. I mean, some of the other guys are getting in, but that's a big part of the reason why they have to focus in so much on those two guys in particular. But I'll tell you, I, I mean, my theory on why. Willie would be overlooked and why everyone's all horny for Chad Kelly and what he's done this year as an MOP guy. It, it blue bomber fatigue. This team 100%. has been so good consistently for the last number of seasons that, you know, people are sort of looking and, and pulling for somebody else to step up. Now, Hey, the Argos won the great cup. They won the game last year. So they are the defending champions. But Winnipeg is the standard right now in the Canadian Football League. And, I mean, sometimes just consistent excellence is boring to some people. And, listen, (laughs) I get how people that are covering the league are looking at maybe some other players and some other stories to promote. But I guarantee you, you pump some truth serum into every single head coach in this Canadian Football League. And I'm pretty sure if they were doing a draft of all the defensive players in the league – I'd be surprised if Willie Jefferson wasn't the first off the board. I understand the fatigue. You know, I remember when the Montreal Alouettes had dominance in the Anthony Calvillo era, people got tired of that. The, the Stampeders dominance and getting to the Grey Cup game year after year after year, people got tired of that. Um, you know, the Doug Flutie years, people got tired in, in those times because that dominance was there. I understand why people are, are a little fatigued on the Blue Bombers, but they're winning for a reason, and it's not just talent on the field. If you're tired of talking about Adam Big Hill, you look at Kyrie Wilson as just as an effective linebacker in the CFL as Big Hill, you know, on a down-to-down basis. If you're tired of Willie Jefferson, you look at Jackson Jeffcoat. If you're tired of Jake Thomas, well, you look at Cam Lawson as a young Canadian defensive tackle that's finding ways to to disrupt the game. You're tired of talking about Demario Houston or Winston Rose. You got Dietrich Nichols. You got Evan Holm, who has played outstanding in his second season with the Blue Bombers. Um, And then offensively, I mean, you can kind of pick your poison as well. Um, But the reality is nobody stops talking about Shohei Otani. Nobody stops talking about Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. There is a reason why these guys are spoken about so much. And if you get the fatigue and you want to spread the love around, I'm all for that because I watch all the games and all the other teams and there is star level talent on all of these teams. But the reality is you can't leave guys like Willie Jefferson out of the MOP debate, let alone 
the MODP debate. I think he is. I've said it to you many times. I think he's the best player in the CFL today, quarterback or not. Um, and Chad Kelly, I think he's got to do a little bit more to uh, knock the king off of his castle. And that is, of course, Zach Kolaris still leading the league in passing, despite all the love, uh, the big smoke and, and the rest of the league's giving to to Swag Kelly. Yeah, and listen, Swag's had a great season. They're 7-1. Yeah. and one. Their one loss was the game that he got knocked out. I mean, I, I, I'm not knocking anything that he's done so far. All I'll say is that there's a lot of football left to be played. The Argos are going to be playing the BC Lions. They're going to be coming here to play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and we'll see. We'll see as this season gets going in the regular season. And who knows? We might see in the game that matters the most in Hamilton on the 19th of November, um, a Chad Kelly-Zach Caleros matchup, and I would definitely be here for that, a little rematch of uh, what's going on. Um, Bomber offensive line. This unit, you know, was maligned at times, and they did have a couple games, particularly the BC one that kind of stands out to everyone, where they weren't at that super elite level that has been the foundation and backbone of the success of this team for a number of years. That being said, I mean, we've seen them literally um, suck the life out of opposing defenses in the late stages of games, you know, with nine and 10 minute drives of just running the football. And I think we saw them step up big time without Zach Caleros last week, you know, when really establishing that run game in the first half, again, they weren't running it as much in the second half, but I mean, Calgary had to completely switch that around and that maybe gave Drew Brown a little bit more, but the challenge for the bomber offensive line tonight, Darren, um, what do you make of that on the table for them and how important that they and establishing more Brady Oliveira will be with Zach Caleros back behind center. I think that's where it always starts. When you talk about blue bomber offensive football, it always starts with the offensive line and a level of physicality. The, the two games, Winnipeg, maybe three games, Winnipeg has struggled this year. And, you know, I, I look at the first half against Edmonton, uh, you know, even last week uh, against Calgary, but those two losses, especially against Ottawa uh, in the second half in the crumb back game, when Dustin crumb was able to, uh, you know, uh, help Ottawa to a victory. And then in the, the BC lions dominating Winnipeg at at IG field early in the season in all of those games, Winnipeg just didn't bring that same physical level. You have to go and punch the other guy in the nose figuratively. Of course, um, you know, you gotta be, t- you know, hard nosed and, and get your nose bloody. And it's a lot of nose analogies. I know, but you know, stick your nose in there and, and get it done. Uh, Winnipeg has maybe not been as consistent at bringing that physicality level game in and game out. It happens, you know, it's important on special teams. It's important on defense. But for Winnipeg's offensive line, I think that's why maybe they're doing things a little bit differently this year. Bringing in Liam Dobson, putting him at tight end, bringing in Tui Ellie, putting him at tight end, or, or, you know, shifting some guys around a little bit, giving them some help and pass protection. Um, You know, of course, the run game is going to be important. Some people, you know, uh, others have said, you know, the run game is less important in the CFL and that sort of thing. I don't completely buy into that. Of course, the pass game is going to be most predominant, but the run game keeps defenses honest. And if you're physical and you keep defenses honest, that opens up the entire playbook for Buck Pierce to try some different things with Dembski and Bailey in the backfield and some shots deep downfield as well. So um, to answer your question, of course it's important, especially against uh, a Montreal Alouette's defensive front anchored by Mondo, 
The guy, only guy in the league, I think, that goes by one name, maybe outside of Bo. <laughs> but Mondo, Armando Sewell, uh, has been long regarded as the strongest man in the league. And yes, he is in the back nine of his career, but still somebody that's going to draw double teams. And, you know, wherever he's lined up on the field, I'm sure they're going to maybe edge Brady Oliveira's run to a gap just a little bit away from him. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that line uh, battle at the line of scrimmage happens tonight. And uh, again, with this crowd, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, like... It is, listen, the Bombers have done such a great job on the football field, off the football field. I wasn't sure of these Thursday games. Like, I, I thought maybe they might take a little bit of a hit as opposed to the Friday games that we often have that are so well attended. If anything, these might be, can tell you they won't be shying away from Thursday games next year when they're doing the schedule, looking at the way people have turned out for the last couple and this one tonight. I mean, Pushing yeah, a you know, sellout against the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, you know the ban- well, the Banjo Bowl is already sold out, and maybe the scarcity of the ticket of people not being able to get yeah. seats has driven them to this game. Whatever it is, it's going really well, and I think this crowd can also be a big, big part of making a miserable, long, long night for Cody Fajardo in that Montreal offense. Yeah, the the crowd at the Madhouse on Matheson tonight will have a first-hand role in giving Cody Fajardo those memories of of some tough outings uh, here in Winnipeg uh, when he was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. As far as the Thursday night games, you know, when, when you make out a schedule, it's always give and take. And, you know, other events at the venues and that sort of thing always kind of, you know, uh, factor into it. I think Winnipeg takes a lot of these Thursdays in the summer because they still draw big crowds. Would that be the case in, in some other markets? I'm not sure. We know how the CFL schedule works for the most part. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I love four games in four days. Uh, spreading out the schedule like that for the most part is great. Um, but Winnipeg has been very fortunate in their bye week spacing over the last number of years. Uh, their heavy home schedule uh, during the warm summer months, which I think is fantastic for the gate here in Winnipeg. Um, the product on the field and the atmosphere in IG Field, I think, sells itself. And when it's this time of year, the Bombers are playing well. Uh, people are starting to talk about the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl and then the playoffs, of course, that conversation starts. I think people just want to be outside. People want to take in a game before the weather turns a little bit. So, hey, all the power to the CFL and to the Blue Bombers. If other markets won't take those Thursday nighters, and I know there's the tractors here in Winnipeg as well that maybe don't want to you know, go to a game and then have to go to work the next day, but the Thursday nighters are working, and I think tonight, and, of course, uh, you know, next week, it'll be a Saturday afternoon game for the Banjo Bowl. Um, hat tip to you, Hustler, by the way. You, you led that charge uh, a couple years ago in, in getting those games on Saturdays instead of Sundays. Um, you know, Biggest no-brainer move of all time. Biggest no-brainer yeah. move of all time. And, um, listen, whatever. We bitched about it for a couple years. Listen, I give Wade Miller all the credit in the world. He listens to people and... He makes decisions that make sense, and there's no question about it. This was better for the fans, better for the fans in Winnipeg. Hell, way better for the fans in Regina. I mean, we've been going to the Labor Day game for years, and you'd go there, you'd have this great weekend, you'd have the game, you'd have a day to get home. Well, the Ryder fans that wanted to reciprocate would come here. The game's at 3 o'clock on a a Sunday. You're getting out of the building or back to wherever you're at at 7 or 8 and then have to get all the way back. It just didn't work. It makes it far more an event. It is Banjo Bowl weekend here. And listen, people can go absolutely nuts 
at the game on Saturday afternoon and then plunk their ass on the couch for 13 hours of NFL in week one and watch their fantasy teams and their picks and all that. I mean, it's honestly one of my favorite weekends of the year now. And it was so frustrating before having to choose between the biggest regular season game of the year and a full slate. And listen, I know a lot of people want to put it CFL versus NFL. I think most of us are football fans and we love exactly. it all and we don't have, want to have to make a change or make a choice. So uh, it should be good. DB, great stuff. Uh, listen, this should be a good one tonight. And I know you'll have a good one afterwards. Just fill people in on uh, when you'll be on and what's cooking on bonfire after the Bombers and Owls finish up 60 minutes. Oh, lots cooking on the fire tonight. Game day after dark is Winnipeg's post-game show. Join us just a few minutes after the game. We'll have the podcast up, uh, you know, for the night owls and people that want to listen, uh, you know, uh, the next morning or, or throughout the weekend. But it is by far our most popular show. The Bonfire Hotline is fired up. You can call and text, uh, get into the live chat. Uh, we've had hundreds of viewers live and thousands watching uh, in the days uh, afterwards. So, Join us, grab a lawn chair, grab a cold beverage, whether you're at the game and leaving the stadium or watching at home, bonfiresports.ca will get you links to everything. Uh, But join us on YouTube. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. We do it every single game on game day after dark. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we will enjoy bonfire after dark post game tonight, buddy. Thanks for doing this. You got it. WST, we'll see you next time. Right on. Nice lid. Nice lid. There's Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports, and uh, you all know where to get it, but subscribe if you haven't already, and check out the post-game coverage tonight. All right. We will talk more about this game with uh, kind of focusing on the visiting Montreal Alouettes with Mokan coming up uh, a bit, but we are expecting our buddy Ken Weeb to jump on very, very quickly. Uh, before that, though, let me give a shout-out. To our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, uh, six locations for Vita Health Fresh Market stores in Winnipeg and online at myvita.ca at their fully shoppable website. And speaking of that website, you sign up right now for their promotional emails with the latest on what's going on at Vita Health. You'll receive an offer for 15% off your next online order at myvita.ca. Big savings available there. Details on the website, of course, Vita Health has great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and right now with grilling season in full swing, check out the delicious grass-fed bison and beef steaks. Nothing better to put on your grill. And hey, if you have been active this summer, hope you have been and your joints and muscles are sore, try out Health Cure Human Supreme Extra Strength, easing pain and inflammation. Only take it once a day. Just an example of some of the great products at Vita Health. Empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations, and online at myvita.ca. Well, our friends at Wallace and Wallace have had a very busy summer. I mean, in addition to being the go-to folks for fencing and overhead doors, um, you know, with everything happening around the city, they've been busy because they're also the leader in temporary fencing. If you've got a te- an, an event where you need fencing for a day, a weekend, a few weeks, whether it be residential or commercial, Wallace and Wallace can help you with that. Of course, if you need the security and protection of a new fence for your home, they've got it all, um, pretty much every kind, but vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And of course, as the Clopay dealer in Manitoba, the largest selection of overhead doors, 
something to perfectly fit your home is available. Uh, give them a call at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crescent, just off of Keniston. Um, listen, it, it is, we do have to accept the fact that the days of August are winding down. Labor Day is coming up, and then it's back to school, back to a more normal routine, and of course, an exciting hockey season coming up. But fellas, if you do need to up your menswear game heading into the fall, you got to get down to F Apparel now. Um, custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. A 15% discount for wedding parties as well. If you're getting your suits from F Apparel, talk to them about that. And uh, find out more online or make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com. You know where to go, 190 Smith Street downtown as well. And, uh, hey, we got another another beautiful weekend coming up. If you're looking for a way to keep your crew happier than ever, make sure you mix in a trip to the Nick and Nicky DQ, one of four locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Pola Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ on in Niverville. Um, those summer blizzard flavors just keep getting better every year. Got some absolute beauties available right now. And, of course, all the classics, too, the Dilly Bars, the Buster Bars, a peanut buster parfait, and don't sleep on those amazing stack burgers at Dairy Queen as well. Um, if you do need a DQ ice cream cake or blizzard cake for an event as well, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Send them a pic. They'll do it up however you need. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right. Heading out west to the site of the annual Tamarack Tournament. It is our pal Ken Weeb who joins us now to talk a little hockey, a little off-season hockey. But Ken, first off, welcome to the program. Uh, I, it, we've seen the questions in chat all week, <laughs> wondering whether there's online scoring, what's happening. Um, the WSD Nation very interested as to how the Tamarack tournament has gone for you so far in this uh, this marathon of golf that happens every summer. Yes, great to be with you, uh, Huss, as always. And uh, yes, greetings from just outside of uh, Wasagaming National Park. Uh, soon I'll be pulling a Mike McIntyre move. I have a, I have a friend that's going to join us today, which tells you how good the round of golf has been going uh, for me. Uh, uh, solid qualifying round uh, at Clear Lake, but uh, headed on to the consolation side. We, we improved from the eighth flight to the sixth flight this year, Huss, despite a triple bogey on the 18th hole. Uh, in an otherwise solid second round, uh, finished at 84, but should have been 81, other than a, a silly brain cramp. Lost uh, lost my first match. My opponent, uh, Colin Kaler, uh, didn't miss a putt under 10 feet, I don't think, and uh, he beat me 4-3. and three. And yesterday, right down to the wire, lost on the 18th hole. Uh, Huss, as you know, the folks who've been following along with my uh, putting woes this year will be not surprised to know that I had a three putt on 18 to lose the match one up, but uh, the real t- <laughs> the real turning point uh, of the contest, I was up three Huss on the back nine, which was our front nine, putting for birdie on the par five fourth hole, and not only did I not have the hole at six, I four putted for a seven, and that was the start of the oh my. Van de Veldian collapse. Uh, my opponent 
Curtis Craker won the next three holes. You can't give him life like that, Ken. No, Huss, uh, you definitely cannot. I have, you know, solid drive, solid shot to 100 yards and hit it to about uh, 15 feet down. Uh, I thought it was downhill, ended up being uphill. Um, halved seven, halved eight, and hit a nice drive on nine. Approach to about 15 feet. Uh, first putt was hard enough or high enough, but not hard enough. Missed about a three-footer. And uh, my opponent uh, calmly knocked his in for par to uh, shatter the hearts of uh, Weeb's World Nation. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? There's going to need to be, I mean, listen, a team of coaches, uh, so sports the, psychologists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... We're gonna need to get we we got to get Derek Ingram on the job as well as his us, best team of people indeed, to get this uh, well, putting issue back. Us, uh, yes, Marshall Patterson is rolling into town the first week of September and uh, has guaranteed me a lesson. Uh, not, <laughs> I can't guarantee him results, but he has guaranteed me a uh, a full intervention, and uh, we're gonna do our best to uh, improve those putting woes uh, for next year on the MB Golf Tour 2024 for sure. Beautiful. All right, Ken Weaves with us. Um. Weber, we're going to talk to Dave McCarthy a little bit more about this Austin Matthews extension from uh, from yesterday that was announced. But the one thing, I mean, you know, we can you know nitpick on is it too much money? What does that do to their cap situation? I mean, those conversations we got plenty of time to have. But to me, it's a massive win for the Leafs, partly just for the really neat the way that it came out with the tweet from Austin himself that is not a very active person on social media by any stretch of the imagination but also the fact that it puts what would have been a hurricane of questions to the side and really eliminates them, at least for Matthews. And Matthews is the man there. I mean, you know, there'll be stuff about Nylander and whatnot, and people will move on to something else. But it's a whole different story when your franchise player is potentially leaving. Um Unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, they've got a guy that has been a franchise player pretty much his entire time in Mark Shifley and a guy that, in my opinion, is the franchise player now, both potentially walking out the door at the end of the season into free agency. When you look at the Jets, I mean, you've done a lot of these training camps. Um, You know the Winnipeg media as well as anyone. What do you, if nothing changes and we get in, how do you, why do you think this is handled and what will be important for both the coaching staff and the players to do to the fans and media before they get out to do job number one and that's get together as a team and produce on the ice with so much uncertainty around the club? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, uh, you know, it's a it's a solid deal for Austin Matthews. Uh, he'll still have one more chance to cash in. Not that he's not cashing in already. Thirteen point two five is already a life changing sum of money, but he's not in the thirty plus category when he's signing this deal. So it's something that they're making a bet on the cap going up. He is a prime time premier player. You know, recently a Hart Trophy winner. So I mean, if you're the Leafs, you're happy to have him secured for four years of this window. But on the flip side, if you're paying 13.25 or north of 13, the team probably would prefer to have him in a longer range contract. So, Haas, I mean, I think what the one parallel with the Jets situation is, does this mean someone might be interested in a four-year deal? And I still think the answer is no, but I think it's interesting that Matthews has chosen now two shorter-term deals for big money, uh, whereas 
our previous thinking or our current thinking is that both Hellebuck and Shifley will be looking for more of the long-term five-year-plus variety in their contracts. And like I said, I think that it's not it's still apples and oranges because of the age difference in the players. But at the same time, it's interesting to see a young younger player, an established player, bet on himself in a short-term deal. He's obviously showing a commitment to the Leafs, no doubt. He's gone four years, same number that Line went. But at the same time, it's interesting because, you know, it's not a seven or eight year deal where we think us always the premier players want to max out at eight years, right? So I think the reason Austin Matthews didn't max out at eight years is because if the cap goes up a significant margin, he can still cash in on his next deal. Whereas if he went now, I mean, what, like, Right well, now, Huss, the other can, thing. can you go 15 million, Huss, if it's on a longer term deal? I, I don't think you can, but I mean, well, that's I, that's I, the curious part. I mean, it's also timing, right? I mean, sure, for sure. He's this is going to finish up. He is what he's 25 right now, mm-hmm. so he's going to be 26 when this kicks in four years, 30 years old, right there in his prime. That's when he'll be signing the eight year deal. <laughs> well, Huss, I mean, pr- prime, right- yes, but I mean, th- that's the argument, right? Are you still in your prime at 30, even when you're an elite player? I mean, that's what we're talking about with Hellebuck and Shifley. We think they're in their prime, but they're not going to be in their prime at the end of the next contract. That's my right? point. So, right. That's my point. Like, an eight year deal right now would take him to 34. For sure. 34 is a very different situation than 30. And Matthews will have the bargaining power. As I mean, whether I assume it's still in Toronto, I mean, he wants to be there if they continue to be a good team and have success, you know, at that point, all right, it'll be, I want to be a leaf for the rest of my career. <laughs> and then you get the big money for the eight years. And then, and then, you know, you're winning in the 36 age, the 37, the 38 year, because right. you're basically getting paid like a 30 year old at the top of the game. When you realize that there will be the law of diminishing returns in some way. Sure. And one quick one. I mean, we were talking about this on the patio here today. Now, what does this deal mean for Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid as those contracts expire in two and three years? I mean, to me, we know the Hawks model sort of showed that it was already tough to win with two guys at 10.5. Now you have to think that both Dreisaitl and McDavid want to be north of 13.25 but at the same time, can you afford to pay those guys $15 million each and roll the dice with the rest of the cap, even if it does go up upwards of 7 to $10 million? I mean, that, that's a huge, huge question in terms of what the Edmonton Oilers are going to do. I expect them to sign both players, but are both players going to be around 13, or do they want to push 14 and 15? Because as we've discussed, even though the cap is going up and salaries are going up, the NHL is still well behind MLB, NFL, and the NBA in terms of their high-end contracts for their elite-level players. Yeah, and I mean, listen, until the revenues significantly change coming in, you know, based on their CBA, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Right. But bring this back to the Jets. Like, oh, that sorry, first yes, week the, when, the these players, answer, yes. when these players are there, I mean, I'm I, this really does seem, at least to me, I mean, correct me if you feel differently, like uncharted territory for Winnipeg and uh, a scenario involving the most important and long tenured players on this team, even with Blake Wheeler being gone in the buyout this year that we haven't seen before. And I think this is going to be a huge challenge for Rick bonus, not to mention the way season, the season ended last year after game five, but there's going to be a lot of oxygen taken up in the room by 
questions that really probably can't be answered at the beginning of camp, and that's not going anywhere as this thing's going to continue on. Yeah, it's interesting to me, Huss. I mean, obviously, this is probably the most two most prominent players in this scenario. The Jets have done a good job of locking up their, you know, star players in advance of, you know, going into that, you know, we've not lame duck year, but they're, you know, pending UFA year. So I get it. There's going to be some, certainly some, there will be at least one round of questions in training camp. We know this was the same thing that happened with line A when, when, you know, they had the official, unofficial, you know, I, it's not you, it's me. I don't necessarily, I haven't, I haven't demanded a trade, but a, a fresh start might be best for both parties type of scenario. Patrick talked about that at training camp, and that was it. Now, again, it was a different circumstance. He played one game, and that was the last game that he played after the injury. So, I mean, questions are going to be asked by people. But for me, Huss, this isn't a conflict. Because of what you just said, there is no easy answer. So I don't think that these guys are getting peppered by the same question every day because until there's new information, I mean, what they say at the start of training camp is going to be the same until – one of two things happen. A, they sign an extension. B, they have asked for a trade. And C, they have been traded. So I do think there is a little bit of massaging required by Rick Bonus, But these players know what it's like. We, the old, it's a business, that will apply to the situation. I mean, the Jets know, the players around them know what the situation is. Okay, well, this, let me ask you this then. How do you think it affects those two players individually as well as how it affects the team? Now, A for Connor Hellebuck, just based on the personalities, Huss, I don't see this being a problem for Connor Hellebuck. He has established himself as an elite-level goaltender. He is going to play the same whether he plays 55 or 66 games. I think he knows what he needs to do in order to get a long-term deal, whether that's with Winnipeg or with someone else. And to be quite frank, even if Connor Hellebuck took a step back from last year, I don't see it harming his long-range value. And now, so let's just say Hellebuck goes a sub-two goals against and a 9.35 save percentage. I mean, does that go from 9.5 to 10.5? I mean, people know what the high end of Connor Hellebuck looks like, and they know what the league average kind of looks like for Connor Hellebuck. So I think his value is firmly established. I don't think he will be distracted by a new contract at all. I mean, yes, it is human nature to want to try a little bit harder, but I mean, Connor's had to overcome the odds his whole career, getting passed over by the USHL, going to the NAHL, playing in Odessa, going to college, having to unseat the starter, coming to St. John's, becoming the starter. You know, Steve Mason gets, or he comes up when Pavlik gets hurt, gets sent back down despite playing well because the Jets are going to miss the playoffs. Having a year that went okay, you know, coming back the next year, Steve Mason is signed as an insurance policy, but really to be the number one, at least the number one A. So uh, I don't see Connor's mentality or demeanor changing at all. Uh, could there be some internal push? Of course, he wants to do well, but he's a driven individual. And for Mark Shifley, I could see it, getting under his skin a little bit just because he's probably sitting thinking, you know, I scored 42 goals last year. I was a point of game player for the previous six seasons. So how come there's not more interest in me? Now I can understand that part of it, but I think one simple conversation with Rick bonus would be Mark. I need you to do the other things in the game. Like you were doing in the first, let's say 65 or 70 games. And if you do that, your money is going to come. And we don't know what that number is. 
And that's the other thing, Huss. Does that Austin Matthews number impact what Mark Shifley might get on his next deal if he was looking for north of 10? I mean, it certainly <laughs> it certainly Who's could impact Mark the number. Mark Shifley $10 Huss, million. Dollars Huss, at, uh, how old is he going to be? 32? 31, I think. But yes, I mean, it, these are the, or maybe, yeah. It, it, I guess, I mean, hey, yeah. you can always ask. You can always ask for it. And again, I'm not saying that's what his demands are. I'm just saying that most players are probably hoping for eight to ten, whatever. If you're in Mark Shifley's situation, so um, it'll be interesting. So, how does it affect the Jets? I don't think the team is going to be. I don't see this as a huge distraction. Obviously, it is a. It is a. It, it's something that will be monitored. There will be a spotlight on it. It's not the Jets are not a two man team, Huss, right? They Josh Morrissey was an all star last year. He was a Norris guy who was on the radar there. They have much more depth up front. They have a defense core that is kind of under fire to some degree, Huss. It's not the same defense core as 2017, 18, 18, 19. So there are a bunch of guys that are, I think, solid individuals, but the collective hasn't worked out to being what we expect of this group to be in order for them to be uh, you know, more of a contending team in the Central Division. Now, I still expect them to be contending. I'm just, it's going to be up to the Jets to show if they can be a contender. So I, I don't think it causes any issues. And by the way, it's uh, it's not Piper, but that's Charlie in the background. A little, a little chocolate lab here over my shoulder here, Huss. Nice. So. Chuck, looking uh, good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she's uh, she's a uh, she's a beauty here. So, uh, any anyways, it's going to be interesting, Huss. But honestly, I think that the the potential distraction is more for us in the media and the fan base. I don't think players are looking around saying, "Is he staying? Is he going? You know, what's this going to mean to our team? Is that guy yeah, going to be looking out for it, himself?" To me, it's all how it handles how the players react to it. And I think you're right. I, I think Hellebuck's going to be Hellebuck, and you know he'll be he'll be himself when he's asked questions. He'll be incredibly focused. He'll be prepared. He'll help the team win some hockey games. He'll be on the but, Connor Hellebuck program, which is the normal program yes, for Connor Hellebuck. Us. But it's but to me it's different because the other thing is is if Hellebuck wanted his money, I mean from all accounts the Jets have circled back and the Jets have done I mean, the Jets would be more than happy to pay him to stick around. Right. I think it's quite different with Mark Shifley. I mean, they spent the entire summer looking for interest and maybe potentially dealing with him. And I've heard nothing to suggest that they've circled back and tried to, you know, put a big money offer on the table to keep Mark Shifley as a jet beyond this. And right. and that that those are two very, very different situations. And if the one player in Shifley is really concerned about his next contract, then that is something that this is all about. Uh, hey, it could end up really well. I mean, you get a really motivated player that knows that what he does right now will have a huge impact on what he ends up signing for. But there is also the other side of that, that if, um, you know, the player is not in a good space because of all that, um, you know, how that might affect the play. And I know these are just two players on the team, but your number one goalie and your number one center, assuming that's where Shifley is, more impactful than probably anybody else on the club to wins and losses. For sure. And here's the thing about Mark Huss that I think sometimes we get caught in the recency bias element because we're less than a year away from the Dale Howard Chuck statue unveiling where let's remember how Mark sounded and how Mark sounded at the start of training camp and how encouraged he was. I want to be coached. And 
you know, we saw an improved Mark Shifley on a lot of levels. Or I would say it didn't that least, all turn out to be BS. Well, not it, like, but he started well, Huss. I wouldn't say it's BS. I mean, I think that there was a di- he was a different player for more than the first half of the year. And yes, his assist totals were down, but I think that was more bad luck with his line mates not really converting on his opportunities that he had set up. So I don't. It's think just that, like what happened in the second half no, of the season, uh, and basically sounded exactly like the previous season ended. We all remember that. Yeah, Huss, but I mean, I would even say this. Like, remember what Mark said? Mark pointed the finger directly at himself in that game after the San Jose game when Murad and I were questioning him after that bad loss in San Jose. So I don't think they were were empty words. I just think that his play just dipped and deteriorated, and he kind of went into a bit of a downward spiral and just couldn't pull himself out of it. So I'm not here to make excuses for Mark Shifley. His finish to the season was not good enough. And his playoff before he got hurt was not good enough for a number one center who wants to be paid a big number in his next contract. But Huss, Mark would know that as much as anyone. He doesn't need anyone else to tell him that. And Mark obviously knows what is at stake for him, both in terms of his reputation and his next contract. So uh, this is simple for me. I, I expect Mark Shifley... He, we know he trains hard. Remember last year he rolled into town for the Manitoba Open and was absolutely jacked, right? I mean, this was a guy who had an injury to end the year. He was jacked, ready to go, had the buy-in. But now there's no doubt, Huss. If there's no buy-in from Mark Shifley, it will be a tough market, both in terms of contract and in trade preparation. So Mark Shifley, it's very simple for Mark. Mark wants to get paid. Mark wants to improve as a player. That, that's a quality that he's always had, except this year he needs to incorporate that 200-foot game part of it and stick with it for the entire year. That's how Mark Scheifele is going to get paid and find his happy place, whether that means staying in Winnipeg or finding a new address sometime before the deadline. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, there is an element of, and I mean, listen, the lack of a trade market, I think, spoke volumes about the way about the questions that Mark has to answer for a team, any team that's going to be making a big money long-term commitment for him, um, you know, as a major part of their player, uh, a major part of their future. And I mean, that, that, that story, I, I will say this. I mean, in the entire national hockey league, I'm not sure there's many players in, um, you know, more fascinating situations than Mark is considering his history here, what he's done, his contract, what is to come, as well as the markets uh, around him with some of these other deals being uh, being signed and the amount of players that could very well be on the free agent market and the competition that comes with that for those extra cap dollars that are available. Ken, before we go, feel free to bring in Charlie to uh, introduce <laughs> Charlie to uh, the rest of the crew. Um, quick thoughts on uh, this Bomber game tonight. That's a fu- it's a fun matchup for sure. I mean, the Bombers have been sort of a little bit up and down at times here, Huss, as we've known. And, you know, we went into last week wondering if uh, if Drew Brown would have the eye-popping numbers again. And obviously, you know, it was a little bit different than it was coming off the bench. But uh, it'll be an interesting week for them. I think Montreal has sort of got things going a little bit uh, here. <sighs> sort of bit of a, you know, team on the rise again on the eastern side. But, you know, I think the Bombers will pre- be prepared, well-prepared for their business here. And I would expect them to handle that business. I would imagine that the uh, running game will be important again here this evening. 
Uh, Brady Oliveira really doing a nice job out of the backfield. And I think that they'll be looking at that. And I think the Bombers, uh, you know, their defense has been a little bit up and down at times and really good at various times. And uh, I think they'll try to throw a little bit of confusion in against their opponents here today. But uh, I would expect it to be a, a, you know, fairly tight game. But I think the Bombers should should pull away here and and give themselves another uh, chance for a good victory for sure. Looking forward to it. Lots of fans of uh, lots of fans of Charlie there in the uh, in the back. A very very beautiful dog, <laughs> standing guard. Yeah, during exactly. the WST Weeks <laughs> World Hit. And, um, um, and enjoy. Are you going to stay out there for the weekend and check out the rest uh, of the uh, rest of the action? Yeah, I will say this. My uh, my housemate here was knocked out uh, as well this morning. But Darren Ritchie with a big rally uh, from two down to win on the third playoff hole. So uh, we will be in the uh, cheering section for Friday for sure. But uh, have some uh, have some family uh, events on the weekend to take care of here, which should be great. And uh, for those wondering, I think uh, at the old Manitoba Open, uh, our latest uh, Morgan Barron with a solid front hus. It looked like. Uh, three over par through nine holes and uh, some nice uh, shooting from Travis Fredberg uh, from Pine Ridge there, minus one through nine. And also uh, speaking of the locals, Ryan McMillan plus over through nine holes as well. So after getting in, uh, I think in the Monday qualifier there. So I think Braxton Kuntz will be, uh, I think he's out this afternoon. Yeah. Late, late tea time today. Uh, Yeah. I'm just looking at Barron. Listen, 39 on the, on the front. Uh, And he, I guess he started on the back on hole 10. He had a bogey on 10, he had a bogey on 15, and a bogey on 17, but still looking good. I mean, I think if he can get in with a 7 to start the number oh, with pro conditions would be a For sure. a, a heck of a round. Um, and I mean, there's a guy that's already 11 over, Chandler Eaton's 4 over, Ryan McMillan who qualified 3 over. So Barron definitely hanging in, in there right now. We'll pay attention to... Uh, We'll pay attention to his round, and uh, of course, fans can get out there and see it. Morgan Barron will be playing tomorrow, and I imagine with his earlier tea time, he'll probably be an afternoon tea time tomorrow. Yep. So, might be a great day to go and check out the uh, the Manitoba Open. Ken, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me, Huss. And yes, indeed, uh, enjoy your weekend as well. And we'll talk to you soon, my man. Yeah, we'll, Take we'll, we'll miss you at the DAF on uh, on Saturday. <laughs> yes, enjoy, enjoy. <laughs> uh, folks, a uh, 7.30 kickoff tonight. It is the Princess Auto Game Sponsor. Make sure you get there early for the uh, 5.30 start of the Princess Auto Tailgate Party. Um, and we'll get to that. It, well, obviously, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of WST and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit us online or in-store today. And again, you can also hit them up 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And of course, their locations, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West. Um, If you are needing help or products in the irrigation department or thinking about artificial your property artificial turf for your property maybe that dream putting green in the backyard head on over to consolidated supplier give our pal joe a call to take care of those they are the leaders in irrigation in artificial turf and also the leaders in golf carts both new and used as the official club or club car dealer in manitoba just saw a, a nice new fleet out at the Beauty Bay Golf Course, courtesy of Consolidated Supply. But they also have so much more. Other great options for your property, including hot tub spas 
and amazing outdoor kitchens, not to mention it consolidated supply, are the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at the showroom. Open to the public, 1395 Nyakwa Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Hey, big Friday coming up at Royal Sports. It is the, what is this event called? Bowerfest, I believe. Um, with hockey season right around the corner, they've got a big event to kick it off. Hype Fest, excuse me. Royal Sports and Bower Hockey making it happen tomorrow. Um, Chelsea Dinan of Dream Hockey is going to be out there. There's going to be a free barbecue tomorrow. Games, tons of giveaways. Hockey players, you know, if you're getting ready for the, to go back to school in the upcoming season next year, or, you know, right around the corner, great time to get out to the Hype Fest at Royal Sports. It will be on while we're on the air tomorrow, noon until 3 p.m. So make sure to get down there, check out some of those wild trick shots that Chelsea does, just a killer on Instagram with some of the most amazing things you'll ever see. And uh, everything you need to check out before the beginning of the hockey season. Again, tomorrow, Bauer Hype Fest, Royal Sports, free barbecue, 100 prizes. Get there noon tomorrow down at 750 Pemina Highway. And hey, if you're not one of the over 30,000 people that has already counted themselves in for the game tonight at IG Field... You uh, maybe should get together with your gang at Boston Pizza. There's no better place than your local Boston Pizza to watch the Bombers, whether it's at home or on the road, if you're not at IG Field. We'll see about that, the pizza race tonight at the at the game. Very popular promotion at IG Field. But heck, speaking of pizza, gourmet pizzas, world-famous BP wings, ice-cold schooners, the latest from the BP feature menu, including those beef antihitos that we've been enjoying all summer long. It's all there for you. And hey, if you're just staying at home and you want the great taste of BP, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we're going to talk Bombers coming up, Bombers Alouettes with Mo Khan. But I do want to, just before we bring in Mo Khan, hit you with the why not question of the day. And, um, you know, it's sort of a bomber question. Do you feel that the offense will be rolling like they were the last time we saw them at home with Zach Caleros back in? Bombers, an eight-and-a-half-point underdog. Or, sorry, favorite. Montreal, the underdogs, eight-and-a-half points. It's a big number, but I'm kind of feeling it. Do bombers cover? Let us know. Why not question of the day? Yay or nay? Bombers by nine. Let us know in the chat. And we do have a couple of cool exclusives for both the week in the Canadian Football League and the Bomber game tonight at Coolbet. We'll tell you about in a few minutes. But right now, let's welcome in Mokon from Montreal to get the latest on the Owls and a little CBL chat heading into tonight. Mo, oh, what's up, buddy? How are you? Great to have you back on the show. I did not sleep in. I'm A-OK, my friend. Football is well with you, my friend. Hey, you're a busy guy. It's great to have you back on. Hey, listen, just quickly before we get to uh, tonight's tilt between the Bombers and Alouettes, um, great CEBL season in the books. I know you were uh, very, uh, very busy calling the uh, Montreal Alliance games. I know Montreal is getting the championship tournament next year with rumors. I know a big pitch from Winnipeg to get the CEBL tournament the following season. It looks like it, Andrew. I think the sense that, that I got from the league speaking to them afterwards, 
that Montreal will be hosting 2024, which they announced yesterday in Verdun, which is the home arena for the Alliance. And that Winnipeg is on the radar. And I don't have to tell you. I mean, it, it, the proof's in the pudding. What they did this year from uh, on-court value and from uh, fan value uh, to get what they did was massive. And I think they've opened up doors now for the league to say, hey, we can look at nhl size arenas um, for future teams or current teams that have the opportunity to play in that venue and test it out. And this weekend, they're going to be in Quebec City for the All-Star game. And that could be your next uh, franchise. The CEBL is at the Vidotron Center. And they sold, I think, close to 5,000 tickets for the game for the Saturday afternoon events. And this could be a telltale sign that the league is going to expand perhaps by one, maybe two in the coming years here. But Quebec City could be in the radar. But if you're a Winnipeg fan, uh, it will not surprise me. But by 2025, they'll be hosting Championship Weekend in two years from now. Well, and I know we talked all year long. I mean, obviously the Seabears organization hit a lot of homers with, uh, you know, the moves that they made this year. But the biggest one, in my opinion, was before the season even started, was making a deal with True North and getting those games in Canada Life Center downtown. And, uh, you know, it allowed them to do so much more production-wise. It allowed them to satisfy the increasing demand throughout the season. And obviously there were so many record-breaking crowds I will say this, if they are able to get to a place like Quebec City and utilize the big rink, even if it's just the lower bowl when needed, it just takes the league to another level. Looks better on television, obviously much better for the fans. And, you know, you'd hope that is going to be the destination that the CE Bale is looking to get to in a number of the markets where teams are already established, that's not playing in the bigger venue. Oh, no question. And, you know, it's a big litmus test for Quebec City to say, are, are we a, a franchise-worthy city to have uh, with the CEBL? And, you know, some like Commissioner Morialli off, off uh, after the press conference that was, I said, if Quebec City comes in, Commish, I would say the first game would be Saint-Jean-Baptiste weekend in Quebec, Montreal-Quebec. And that would be a rivalry to look out for, right? And, you know, Winnipeg has its natural geo-rivalry with, with Sask, Empton with Calgary, uh, Brampton with uh, Scarborough. Uh, you know, the two furthest teams, are, of course, are Niagara and, and Vancouver. But the reality is you're seeing this be more geo-friendly than before, Ottawa included with Montreal. And I think the league, whether they expand by one or two in the coming years, I think they look at this as being a chance to go coast to coast and maybe down the road, hopefully Halifax get involved, which is a great basketball market. And I think now, Andrew, you're right. These next two uh, championship weekends, Montreal and perhaps Winnipeg, could really set the momentum going forward that this could be a place to be to have a franchise going coast to coast in the CBL and not just stick at 12, maybe go 14, 15 teams down the road when it's stabilized from a health perspective of having those markets be massive basketball cities for summer months. Well, I can tell you, I mean, this, uh, this season for the sea bears and you only have your first time once, but it was magical. Obviously it didn't end uh, the way they wanted with that loss in the playoff game here. Uh, but I'll tell you what, people are already looking forward to next season. I think there's tons of potential for this to grow even more. Uh, but, Mo, let's get to this game tonight. You know, we've been talking all week about, you know, the landscape of the CFL. And, listen, there's three teams that seem to be really legit Grey Cup contenders. The Argos in the East, the Bombers and the Lions in the West. And then, to me, the Argo, the Alouettes are in their own separate tier as the fourth team. And uh, hard to imagine that the East final isn't Montreal and Toronto, but 
you know, even at six and three, they have beaten up on some of the weaker teams in the league. What, what do you make of the Alouettes at the midway point of the season heading into tonight here in Winnipeg? Well, as I told you off air, it's like that Seinfeld episode, they break even, right? Jerry's the one that, that broke even in that episode. They're just breaking even. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful to the team, but you're right. Like, they, they beat up on Hamilton twice. Uh, they beat Ottawa twice. And, you know, those two teams uh, probably will have to fight for number three with Calgary in the crossover now for what will be uh, very important games coming up for those three teams, as I mentioned. I think for Montreal, though, you know, when Winnipeg came here back in early July, uh, Winnipeg, like a boxing match, was control. They on points, style points, uh, controlling the narrative, and they beat up on, on the Alouettes. And they didn't have to do much in that football game, Andrew, when you, when you think back to that matchup between the two teams. So in this game here, and think about it right now, Cody Fajardo still banged up. He's not fully healthy, but he's going to be back out there. I mean, what, what type of playbook will they go with Fajardo, right? Will it be more run-heavy against a very good bomber defense, albeit they'll have given up a big play or two along the way this season, but I think they have to establish the running game against the Bombers and really control the clock and try to minimize uh, that Bomber offense on the football field because you think about Winnipeg's offense when healthy, Andrew. There's no one that matches up to them. They have depth. They go too deep across the board here. And the only way the Alouettes can win this game or could win this game, I beg your pardon, is if they can ball control this football game and really make it into a, a real – Grind out, we're going to go punch for punch, body blow, body blow, and hopefully win by field goal or two at the end of the day. Um, Fajardo coming back in, how impressed were you with Caleb Evans? I I think he answered a few questions. Listen, Cody has his ups and downs, but like we've seen in this league, um, you need to have somebody when your number one guy can't go. I mean, what was the... uh, what was the report card on uh, Evans in his couple games while Fajardo was out? I still think it's incomplete for uh, for Caleb Evans. Uh, there's if you look at the stats the last two games. I, I tracked stats for TSN TV when he had his home game a couple weeks ago here in Montreal. He didn't do much, you know. Even the Ottawa game up until the final drive, he didn't have to do much. And I, I think those. And I said on Twitter a couple of days ago for the Alouettes to make a run and, and be maybe in Hamilton for Great Cup at the end of November. It's giving me on their defense. And remember, this defense is banged up, too. They're, they're missing guys. Keontae Evans is out for a while. And a couple other guys in the front seven are also out for a while. But that defense has played really well. And, and that's why I'm not saying they're going to beat Winnipeg tonight, but I give them a chance because that defense has played to what Noel Thorpe wants from them from a scheme perspective. And now with Sean Lemon in the lineup here, uh, he's changed the front seven in the front four. And, and he's brought the pressure that was lacking from this team for the first four or five weeks of the season. And with them playing Winnipeg, they got Toronto coming up a couple times in the month of September, uh, BC on Labor Day, Saturday nights. They have a tough schedule. So the next six games, if they can go four and two, I think that would be a massive grand slam for them. Three and three should be the floor for them in terms of the win-loss record because I think right now, Andrew, they'll be the two seed going towards playoffs. And if they could somehow beat the Toronto Argonauts in the coming month or so here, maybe – just maybe they might be hosting the East Final in mid-November. Uh, Mo, this is our first chance to see Montreal here in Winnipeg. And as you mentioned, in that game earlier this year, uh, the Alouettes didn't do much offensively, putting up only three points. Hmm. But I did want to ask you about the emergence of Austin Mack. I mean, a team loses Eugene Lewis. You think, oh, this is the death knell for them in that offense. Um he has been, it seems like a star in the making. Uh, fill people in on uh, the young man that will be uh, suiting up for the visitors tonight. 
Yeah, Austin Max, a former Ohio State Buckeye. He had a, a cup of coffee in the NFL with the Giants and a couple of other NFL teams. And he made his way up to the CFL with the Alouettes. And he's on pace right now, I believe, to hit 1,500 receiving yards. Um, this is a guy that came in, you're right, no Juno Lewis, leaving for Edmonton. Uh, Reggie White Jr. out for pretty much, you know, since the start of the camp till now. Uh, Greg Allenson has been out for the entire season, including training camp. And he's really brought it, right? And they, they've lost out on Kayon Julian Grant, who's out for the next four or five weeks with a hand injury. And this is a young receiving core, and he's been the leader of this receiving core. And he's come up with clutch catches, right, on second down. And that's going to be key, right? When second and seven or second and seven and longer, he's the guy that they dial up to because they know he creates that separation to create and get that first down and extend the drive by a few more plays here. And if they can't, the Winnipeg defense cannot contain Austin Mack, it just opens up the potential avenue for the Alouettes to really mix in the passing game with the run game. As I said before, they got ball control this matchup against the front seven for Winnipeg. But Austin Max, the guy that I'm watching out for, and he was speaking to former CFLer Devere Posey, who played at the Ohio State University. He asked about him. And I'm not saying he's going to go NFL next uh, summer, but I think for Austin Mack, if he continues to have a great remainder of the regular season plus playoffs, um, I could see him in the NFL camp next year. But I think for the present moment, as we speak, uh, he's the leader, and he's the guy that's going to really carry the load for the Alouettes until they get healthy at the pass-catching position. Well, speaking of carrying the load for a long time, that's been William Stanback. He is back right now. I mean, where's he at right now, and how much of a factor do you think he will be in this game tonight? Well, it's been weird because they've been alternating Stanback with Walter Fletcher, uh, and, and there's that whole ratio rule, right, because they don't want to put Fletcher on PR, and then and we know Walter Fletcher will be snapped up by a team in, in the CFL in two seconds. So he hasn't had that rhythm yet, right? But, you know, when you look at the running back position in football in general, Andrew, um, now it's become obsolete. But I think what the Owls are trying to do with standback is that let's see him for the second half of the year. Let's see him for October and beyond that he has fresh legs, that he's not going to, you know, be injured injury prone that he was in 2022 where he did not have a good year. He was hurt for most of it. And if he's healthy and fresh by October, by Thanksgiving uh, in October, um, that really brings them a bell cow. That brings them a guy that can maybe carry the ball 20 to 25 times. And the one thing, though, this Alwood O-line has to improve, Andrew, because they give up far too many sacks for the quarterback position. And for Cody, for, for Cody Fajardo, for him to survive this season, he's going to have to make sure that running game is prevalent. If they can get that running game going early and often in this matchup, and of course for the remainder of the season, it lessens the hits on Cody Fajardo, and it puts more on the running game to be more of the emphasis going towards the last half of the regular season. You know, with the exception of uh, that one weird game earlier this year where the Bombers only put up six at home, they have been a beast at Investors Group Field. It's Absolutely. a very, very tough place for visitors to come in and compete, never mind win. Um, what do you think Jason Moss has at the top of his to-do list for his Montreal Alouettes for them to be in this game with a chance to win in the fourth quarter? Well, if we go back to history, right, remember the first loss for the Bombers was against you last year to the Alouettes. And that, that left this ba- bad taste in the Bombers' mouth, right? They thought they got jobbed by the referees and a whole few things that happened in that football game. And I think for Jason Moss, his biggest achievement so far, I think, in, in his second reign as a head coach has been his maturity, right? Because if you remember Moss with Edmonton, he always had those blow-ups in the sidelines that were caught by the cameras. And you're like, whoa, what's up with this guy? You know, you got to be head coach of the team. But he's been more mature. He's been more... Um, team CEO, where he's delegated tasks to his staff members and even the players to, to take the reins for leadership council with what they have built up. And I think the key in this game against Michael Shea, they're not playing this game, but how is this play calling going to be early on? 
on offense in particular. Because as, as I said before, you don't want to put Fajardo in the position where those missiles that the Bombers have in their front seven, they can launch at you, Andrew, and destroy you and destroy your internal organs like there's no tomorrow. So how is he going to make sure to keep Fajardo clean? And that's going to be on the running game and gain the ball out of his hands. He's got guys like Mac. He's got other receivers that yards have to catch. He's been able to do create that in this season for them so far. So I think that'll be key is a quick hitting offense from Jason Moss and making sure the running game gets his fair dose of carries early on. Well, and uh, and I guess the other big test for a Montreal is just playing in and uh, hanging with one of the top teams. I mean, they've done what they've had to do against the teams below them in the standings. And, Absolutely. Hell, they've got six wins. Argonauts have seven right now. I mean, you never know how that goes. But obviously, um, th- this is a big measuring stick for the game for them, especially considering the way they got um, really handled by Winnipeg in Montreal earlier this season, only putting up three points. Yeah, and the thing was, Andrew, when I was at the stadium watching the game for TSN, it wasn't like the Bombers were on sixth gear. Like, they were on second gear the entire time. Yeah. Like, they didn't flex their muscles. Like, they they knew they had the Alouettes by their necks. And I think for the Owls, going towards the second half of their schedule, and, of course, they have the Labor Day game against BC, which is a massive game for the Alouettes and for the Lions included, um, they have to really set the tone and say to the rest of the CFL that, look, we're going to create separation with Hamilton and, and Ottawa and perhaps – Calgary included, but we want to keep the race tight with Toronto. And look, I'm not saying Toronto's going to falter, but you have to wonder for Chad Kelly, who I think is a good quarterback, and they've put him in a game manager role for now because, again, this is his first real test as a starting quarterback for the Argonauts. Like, does Kelly have that one bad game? And if that happens against the Alouettes, that just opens up the door for the Alouettes to say, we could maybe get ourselves that first seed in a buy in the East playoff race. Yeah, well, I'm sure they'd take the one bad game being the East final, regardless of where it's uh, where it's being played, and maybe book a ticket to Hamilton. Uh, that being said, a lot of runway left to go as we head into Labor Day. But a big one tonight at IG Field with the Bombers and the Montreal Alouettes. Mo, always great having you on the program, my man. Enjoy the game tonight and have an awesome weekend. Always, my friend. And, and look, it's the last couple of weeks of summer unofficially, so enjoy before you get the winter jackets on, my friend. <laughs> Got it. All right, great stuff with our buddy Mo Khan. Um, still to come, little info on our cool bet parlay for this uh, bomber game tonight, as well as a, a little chat about the Matthews contract in Toronto with Dave McCarthy. But right now, let's quickly do a, a little golf update from the Manitoba Open for our friends at Breezy Bend. Breezy Bend's Manitoba Amateur Champion Braxton Coons teeing off late in the final groupings. 4.10 p.m. Hopefully uh, no weather issues because severe thunderstorm watches have been issued for all of southern Manitoba. And fingers crossed we don't have any rain delay or lightning delay tonight at the Bomber game. Um, but Morgan Barron, the Winnipeg Jets, definitely holding his own right now. He was three over for his front nine bogeyed his first hole on the back nine but came back with a birdie on the par three another bogey he's four over par with six uh, holes remaining um very very nice round this might be one of the best rounds of uh, any of the jets that have played as uh, special invitees to this event before as far as the uh, top of the leaderboard canadian thomas Giroux in the clubhouse within eight under 64 
You're not doing that at Southwood if the wind's blowing. So uh, taking advantage of the nice conditions with the morning tea time. Devin Bling of the States at 8-under as well. And three golfers, one shot back. Austin Hit, Luke Schneider-Jens, and Canadian Johnny Trevally. Uh, play goes throughout, right through till Sunday. And again, a Breezy's Braxton Coons this afternoon. Uh, and then Morgan Barron will have an afternoon tea time tomorrow. So it might be a great chance to get out, check out the great golf, and see how the bear does on the course. Of course, all our golf reports brought to you by Breezy Bend. Go to breezybend.ca or hit up our pal Corey Johnson about getting on the waiting list and making Breezy your golfing home for the 2024 golfing season. Um, we got to give a big shout-out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. The weekend is here. Well, I guess it's technically here tomorrow. It feels like Friday, though, with this Bomber game tonight. Great time to head on down and check out all the delicious beers at Little Brown Jug. You can grab that 2-4 deal they've got right now with the 12 generics and the 12 1919s. But what you also need to know and act on now is get your tickets for Winnipeg Sports Talk Trivia Night, Wednesday, September 13th, 7 p.m. at Little Brown Jug. Weather permitting, we'll be outside on that beautiful patio like we were for the first event that we did last year. The link is in the description of this YouTube video, so click on it. Apparently, Eventbrite says it's selling very quickly, so there are limited tickets just because of the capacity of Little Brown Jug, so we don't want you to miss out. Get those for you and your friends. We'll see you there on the 13th, and if you're listening to the podcast, go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Link right at the top of the page to count yourself in for WST Trivia. Going to be a really, really fun night. A big shout-out to our friends at Aikens Lake. We're finishing up another amazing season out in paradise. If you are thinking about a uh, fly-in fishing trip where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg and with world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality... Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more online at akinslake.ca or hit them up on Twitter at Aikens Lake. We will get to our cool bet lines a little later on, but as far as the Gold Eyes go, Gold Eyes finishing up this series with the Canaries tonight from Sioux Falls. And then tomorrow, Fan Appreciation Night and the final weekend of Gold Eyes season of regular season home games. General Manager Andrew Collier will join us on the program tomorrow to set up what should be a great weekend to finish up another really fun season of gold eyes baseball down at shaw park we'll get to the cool bet lines we've got a winnipeg sports talk exclusive lined up for tonight's bomber game a lock shop partner parlay for the cfl as well but first let's get to toronto we will talk about the austin matthews we saved it for the end for those of you that are triggered about leafs talk but there's a big story in the nhl Dave McCarthy, our go-to guy in Toronto, joins us now to discuss Matthew's four-year extension. Dave, what's coming on? How's the summer? Good. Uh, long but short, uh, both at the same time, if that makes any sense. And, uh, you know, if you can believe it, uh, I was at a charity hockey game on Wednesday night with a bunch of colleagues, Terry Koshan of The Sun, Kevin McGrand of The Star, Mark Masters was kicking around from TSN. Um, it was in Brampton. They were raising money for a hospital. John Tavares was there. Uh, Liam Foodie, Quentin Byfield, Owen Power. Like, there were some good names there. And then, wouldn't you know it, 
Wouldn't you know it, of all times, the news of Austin Matthews' contract extension breaks when we're all standing there together, essentially in front of John Tavares. We broke the news to John, if you can believe it. I would have loved to have seen that, just a straight-up tweet-off between, or I guess it would be maybe an X-off now, an well, X whatever off, yeah. whatever we call it. Um, it would have been quite a... How would you describe... The collective exhale, which I'm sure took place amongst Leave Nation, knowing that this got done, albeit four years, any extension I'm sure was welcome considering the situation and the possible conversations that would have surrounded Leaf training camp if this didn't get done. Well, I'll tell you what, there was not as much panic in this city about the Matthews extension as I thought there would have been if it had gotten to this point in the summer. Like, I was of the mind that, man, if there isn't a deal on July 2nd, like, panic in the streets. But it really wasn't like that. Um, because I thought both sides did a really good job of, of messaging. Austin said at the end of the season last year, he was genuine, I thought, in what he said, that he, he wants to be here long term. He wants to return. I took him at his word because there seemed like there was a, a genuineness about the way he conveyed that sentiment. Um, Brad Trailiving said the same thing that uh, that the the situation was being handled well. Both sides were speaking, uh, you know, amicably. Uh, I, I checked in with some sources a couple of weeks ago um, on on the Austin Matthews side, and I was told the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's just a process. We're plugging away. No need to be concerned. Everything's going to get taken care of, and and then here it is. Got done. Pretty. Uh, I don't know, nondescript, right, too, in the way that it was rolled out. I was expecting, Hustler, one of these uh, emails where it's major press conference, 10 a.m. tomorrow, be down at Scotiabank Arena, those type of deals. Um, but it was nothing like that. It was just an Austin Matthews tweet um, out of nowhere at 5.30 in the afternoon on a Wednesday in August. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to continue the journey. I'm going to do everything I can to get us to where we want to be. Go Leafs, go. We saw that, and we were all like, we were like, what? Is this real? Did he, <laughs> did he get hacked? Like, guy hasn't tweeted since March. There's the tweet right there. And, like, I think that's actually a pretty nice quote. Uh, it's authentic. It's human. Um, it's it genuine, right? Um, so because of how atypical that was, we're like, this this can't be real. He just got hacked. Someone's screwing with us right now. And I was in the midst of sending that tweet to a source who would know whether it was real or not um, because it was about 15 minutes since it had been sent. We still received no official confirmation of the Leafs. And then we got what was really uh, like a pretty bare-bones press release that that you'd expect when the Leafs sign a guy like uh, Dylan Gambrell. Um, but in this case, it happened to be Austin Matthews. There was no quote in there from Brad Trailiving, nothing. So, you know, pretty just under the wire, low key. Like, I like that. Uh, that's, that's a good vibe to have because nobody needs to see or feel like Austin's making a spectacle of himself and making himself the show. Just just be a really good part on a team that everybody wants to see win something. I think they handled it really, really well. What did uh, what did uh, John Tavares have to say when uh, you broke him the news at this event? I kid you not, and I'm going to do my best John Tavares impression right now. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. <laughs> that was it. 
So, I mean, I, I guess maybe he wasn't all that surprised either. And John's never a guy that's going to be bouncing off the ceiling, but that was his reaction. Uh, Dave McCarthy's with us with NHL.com in Toronto discussing the uh, Leafs four-year extension of Austin Matthews. Um, you know, it, it is a raise, but, I mean, not a massive one, although it becomes, I mean, $13.2 bucks in this current cap climate. Still a huge chunk of the cap. Uh, where does this leave the Leafs? In relation to their other players, Mitchell Marner, who has, what, two years left at just south of $11 million. And then uh, maybe the biggest question for this year, Dave, Nylander watch. Um, Mm. Willie Nylander looking for a big, big raise, deserves a big raise based on what he's done production-wise, and he is a pending UFA. Well, it's no issue for the Leafs this year because, remember, he's still on the the final year of his current deal at 11-6. Might become a little bit sticky next year um, when John Tavares is still on the books at 11 and Austin's new deal at 13-2-5 kicks in. But presumably the cap is going to go up a decent amount. I would expect more than the $1.6 million um, of a raise that he's getting. So as long as it does that, the percentage of the cap actually goes down right um so really a modest raise based on what i think he could have gotten and and if you want to look at it as a bit of a concession a bit of a give back i i think that's fair people say if he really cared he should have taken 10 like you're a fool a fool if you legitimately believe that there is no world in which he was taking 10 the guys won heart trophy a maurice richard trophy scored 60 goals in the league uh he should have been a 50 goal scorer already three times he got screwed two years because of the pandemic um where he was on pace like it's just the way the contracts come up he was going to be the highest paid player in the game uh, and he will be for a couple of years until Connor McDavid's new deal comes up and then he will surpass him and Leon Dreisaitl will probably surpass Austin Matthews. So I think the number is fair. I really do. The term, um, I, I don't mind it. Four years, like I, I think I think a lot of teams, a lot of times teams get put into a tight spot when they sign guys to eight-year deals, even if it's a guy like Austin Matthews. Like you're gonna have him on the books now for five more years. You're gonna have him on the books for twelve years once this deal is is all said yeah, and done. Until he's thirty, the complete prime of his career. Right. If you can't get it done in the next five years prior to him turning thirty, then maybe it's time to move on and look elsewhere. And you know what? Austin can revisit where he is at that time. The Leafs can revisit where they are. Uh, he's already signed here twice, willingly. He likes it here, clearly. Um, if he likes what he sees in, in four or five years when he can sign a new deal, shouldn't be an issue to get a new deal done. But at least that way, if things go sideways and the winning window is clearly closed, you don't have a guy on your books between the ages of 31 and, what, 34, 35, making what would be even more north of 13.25 if he had signed an eight-year deal because i'll tell you what if he'd signed an eight-year deal Huster, the number's higher than 13.2 now all these people some of these people on i always always try and check myself when i start a comment with some of these people but i'm gonna say it 
like who 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 crunch numbers all day long on the internet and like to purport themselves as being smarter than the average bear really are astonishingly stupid sometimes because I saw people yesterday going on about oh well uh, you know UFAs just because you tack on more years oftentimes that brings down the AAV not not raises it yeah when the end of the contract. Uh, puts you like at 39, 40, and 41. Exactly. Don't be stupid. Austin Matthews, if the deal ends at 34, is not taking years uh, 31, 32, 33, and 34, um, where he's dramatically underpaid in years where he's still a very, maybe not at his absolute prime, but still likely to be a very productive player. Eight years, that number is higher than 13.25. So, okay, then you got him on the books for four years when he's 31, 32, 33, 34, but guess what? Well, he's on the books now for four more years where money is still tight, that number is also higher. So it screws you in the short term. And why do you want that? To me, that doesn't make any sense. So I think it's a good deal from Austin's standpoint. Um, and a really good deal from the standpoint of the Maple Leafs. You know, um, we, we heard and we all remember the the ridiculous circus that surrounded Mitch Marner's contract in particular. And, I mean, listen, I think Kyle Dubas did a lot of great things when he was in Toronto. I also think he got he got worked by the Marner camp. And, and that was a contract that still, even right now, with how productive he's been and the other contracts, doesn't look great. Nylander was the other way. They held out. They kind of hardballed him. He held out. He finally signed that deal. So it, it, it the result... He still got more than what he wanted, though, right? Like, the way that Nylander situation went down set the table for future negotiations. Willie got exactly what he wanted. Make no mistake about that. And the number kept going up uh, as he waited, which it really shouldn't, right? So the, the number, what they landed on... At 6'9", theoretically is not bad, but the precedent that it's set, um, I'm still of the mind, uh, set the table for how the Marner negotiation what, went. Um, what do you think? I mean, we've heard that Willie Nylander wants 10 mil, and I think he could probably justifiably ask for that. Um, what are the chances that that's in Toronto? If you had to handicap the likelihood that William Nylander's next, when he puts his, his name down on a contract, what are the chances that that's in Toronto or elsewhere? Well, it's tough, right? Because... He's probably not a $10 million player right now. The cap goes up. He probably will be. But in the meantime, money is tight. But the guy shot it in that 40 times last year. Um, And he's going to look and say, well, Mitch Marner signed for essentially 11, what, four years ago? And now I'm coming up and you still want to pay me like a million plus less than that? I I get it from his standpoint, but that's why – the precedent was set was so bad here in Toronto because it jacked everybody sky high. I mean, and when Marner comes up, you can renegotiate a deal or not renegotiate, but negotiate a new deal next year at this time. Because the number's probably not going down, is it? <laughs> right? Probably. It maybe should, but it's I mean, that's should, a, but that's let's a be tough honest place here. to start. Tough place to start the negotiations. So yeah, I mean it's 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 tight. Um, Willie wants to stay. He's not particularly concerned. Classic Willie yesterday at the media tour is like, yeah, we, we got time. I'm going to use it. I don't know why everybody's so upset. Like, just relax. People will get it done. So we'll see what happens. I, I think they may let this play out into the year, um, you know, and revisit it at the trade deadline, even in the offseason. I think he'd still have value. You could do a sign and trade and, and revisit where you're at. Who, who knows? Maybe he doesn't do an eight-year deal. Maybe he does a four-year deal 
like uh, like Austin does and stick to the same window well, and and reevaluate once uh, once that contract's up when he's in his early 30s. Well, and here's the thing, and this is the big difference between a team like Toronto and their situation and a team like here in Winnipeg. Now, we're talking quite a bit about the potential of Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck being gone at the end of the season. Well, are the Jets going to be forced into trading them for what they can get? Or if you've got a good competitive team, do you roll with those guys and, you know, potentially lose them at the end of the year? A, a team like the Winnipeg Jets getting 12 or $13 million in cap space to use on free agents is very different than Toronto yes, just because of their ability to get players to come in. And I would say this, even if, I mean, I assume the Leafs will be good. I assume they'll be a playoff team. I mean, they're not trading William Nylander at the trade deadline. But it's not the end of the world if a player like that walks because, you know, you're getting $7 million that, you know, a, a, a team like the Leafs, especially where they're at right now with the other stars on it, can probably make some things, some good things happen with that money, even if it's not directly coming back in a deal for the services of William Nylander. Well, that's exactly it. Uh, recruitment is not so much an issue in Toronto, especially now that you've got Austin Matthews locked in for, for five more years. The team should still be good. Look, who knows how the year goes? Maybe the, maybe the whole thing goes sideways. Maybe they can't get a stop. And a bunch of guys get hurt. And before you know it, you're, you're chasing uh, by Christmas time. And, and you're, you're kind of in it, but you're only fooling yourself that you're in it. And come trade deadline time, you look and say, well... Hey, maybe Willie is a trade chip, and what we could get back for him would help to restock the cupboard um, moving forward here for the next uh, the next four years. It's possible; anything's possible. So I, I think that's to to borrow a line that uh, from two general managers ago, Lou Lamorello always used to use: "If you have time, use it." And I think the Leafs, it wouldn't surprise me if they use the time they have with Willie right now. Uh, go into the season, you're going to have a motivated guy. He's going to want to crush it this year so that he can go back to Brad Treliving, uh in June, hopefully after a Stanley Cup parade, and say, well, here's a Stanley Cup. Shot it in the net 40 times. It was a big part of your team. Remember how you didn't want to pay me 10-plus last year? Uh, have you seen enough, bud? Pay it to me now. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you know what? Probably won't be a too adverse to, to paying the man the money. So that's why I don't think it's time to panic. Just let this situation play out and see how it goes. Dave McCarthy's with us. Dave, one more quickly before we go. Um, so the deal, and again, this Matthews deal kicks in next year. He's on the books for 11-6 this season. But when I pull up Cap Friendly, uh, they have a projected cap hit of $96,756,000. They're $13.2 million over the cap with $10.3 million of LTIR candidates. Um, what the... Well, what does Brad Trelevy need to do before puck drop on the season? How do you see this working out? Well, put it this way. Matt Murray's going on LTIR. Jake Muzzin's going on LTIR. Uh, a few guys will go on waivers. Their salary will come off, all of that. Like I, I really don't get too caught up in the weeds of, of nuts and boltsing the salary cap to that extent because guess what? They're going to find a way, uh, and it's not going to be at the expense of, of an integral player they'll find a way to get under the cap teams always do um you know injuries will occur more lti space will open up um all of those types of things 
Um, I, they have a plan in place. Um, they're not just waking up today on August 24th, Brandon Pridham and looking at the whiteboard and being like, Oh my God, we're that hot. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> they know what they're doing. They'll get under it. It's not going to cost you a player that at the end of the day, um, you're really going to care all that much about if you have to move out. Um, that, that's that's the best I can say. It's just uh, too many people spend far too much time trying to outsmart managers based on how the cap is is going to play out. And and to me, I, I really do find it almost comical and a waste of time a lot of the time. Dave, great chatting with you uh, as always. Enjoy what's left of August because uh, it gets uh, it gets a lot busier coming after Labor Day. We'll look forward to do this again with you throughout the season. Thanks for the time as always. Yeah, it won't be long now. Thanks for having me, man. All right, good stuff with Dave McCarthy. Big deal in the NHL. Had to get it. Shout out to 22 Canuck. How about that, Remus? Tuning in from Italy and hoping to make the marble race tomorrow, too. We have had a few WSTers pop in on the marble race from overseas a couple times before, but... Uh, Shout out to 22 Canuck. Always cool to have people still checking in on what we're doing, even when they're halfway around the world. Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned the marble race. I was, like, ready to start looking at tracks and, like, get ready for today because I thought it was Friday. I got that Friday feeling with the bomber game tonight. But, no, it is actually Thursday. And I love the Thursday bomber game. It sets up the weekend. And we get to talk about it here on Friday. We don't have to wait until Monday for a Friday game. So, uh, we'll have a marble race tomorrow. New track, the community tracks have been killing it. You got to come check it out here if you're on the podcast. Uh, usually two forty-five, we open up the entries. Yeah, exactly. And everyone, even if you are normally a podcast listener, you set your just set a weekly reminder: two forty-five p.m. Get in here, get in the marble race, and uh, your chance to win are exclusive WST hoodie from our friends at Shipman Associates. You can't buy anywhere. You can only win it on WST. All right. Speaking of winning, um, Assiniboia Downs, no live racing today, finished up yesterday. There were a couple of crazy upsets the last two days. Uh, I had a nice triactor yesterday uh, on race five and uh, we had a meeting last night myself and Reem and I got back late just in time for race eight and in race eight was another massive upset the winning horse came in at 58 bucks and a one dollar triactor was 1,231 so some big money on some long shots this week at Assiniboia Downs they are back at the post coming up on Monday for another week of live racing, and uh, we'll get back to the picks on Monday. But let's get to the cool bet lines. We got a big one tonight at IG Field. Should be a near-capacity crowd. Bombers and Alouettes, and the Bombers are 8.5-point favorites in this game, and the total is 47.5. But Bomber fans, get on over to the exclusives because we've got a special one for you. I cooked up a Winnipeg Sports Talk parlay it is there in the exclusives, and uh, this is what I've cooked up. Bombers to win. Zach Caleros to throw two passing touchdowns. And the over on Kenny Lawler's receiving yards. So Kenny Lawler to get 76-plus receiving yards. And Dalton Schoen, 
64 plus receiving yards. You got a nice little boost on that one up to plus 570. The new lock shop is out as well. All of our picks for the weekend in the Canadian Football League are there. Dusty and I are on other side, opposite sides of this game tonight. And listen, I understand the pick of Montreal. It is a big number. Montreal's played the Bombers tough here in the past. I just, I'm feeling a big, big game from the Blue Bomber offense. And uh, listen, they were only able to muster three points against this D earlier this year. Uh, Bombers are eight and three against the spread uh, in their last 11 at home. And the Alouettes 0-4 against the spread in their last four games against teams with winning records. So govern yourselves accordingly for that one. I do like the Kenny Lawler over. I'm going to make that my cool bet play of the day. But we've got the Lock Shop partner parlay in as well. We were in lockstep on the other three games. Uh, Calgary, plus 10. We made it to 10.5 because of the, uh, you know, we can't have a tie on these. So Calgary plus 10.5 against Toronto. BC minus 10.5. I think they ransack uh, the Tie Cats. And the Elks to win. The Elks, who opened up this uh, week as a one-point underdog, now one-point favorites in this game, but we're just taking Elks to win. So that's their lock shot partner parlay, plus 655. We've had a few nice wins in the last month for the CFL, and we had the golf winner last week for the partner parlay. So it's there for you over at CoolBet in the exclusive sections. If you haven't played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. All the NFL futures are there as well. Great time to jump in if you haven't already. Um, Remo, you're at the game tonight, huh? I will be there. Looking forward to being in attendance. And uh, it'll be a great time. Great evening. Looking at the at the weather. Uh, looks good. I did see some minor thunderstorm mornings. We can ignore those. Other than that, uh, looks. I think it's going to be a great night. So I'm pumped. Well, the, okay, this is from 2 p.m. or 158. Severe thunderstorm watch conditions favorable for the development of severe thunderstorms that may be capable of producing strong wind gusts, large hail, and heavy rain. There is also a risk of a tornado. Oh, <laughs> Rapidly fine. destabilizing conditions along with deep layer wind shear over the Red River Valley has caused for concern this afternoon. It's been some big time delays so far. And of course, we had that legendary delay against Montreal a few years ago here in Winnipeg. Fingers crossed that doesn't happen tonight. But I'll tell you what, I think the fans at IG Field would be more than more than ready and willing to uh, have a couple CC and gingers and wait it out if that is the case. But uh, keep your heads up to the weather around you. And of course, if it does get dangerous, they'll let us know and everyone will be popping inside at some point tonight. But that is the show for today. Big one tomorrow. Uh, Billick's going to join us. Rewiki jumping on. NFL Notebook with Hacksaw. And Alex Adams is going to be back on the program. Canada plays France tomorrow morning. First game of the FIBA World Cup. So uh, right after the game, we will have boots on the ground in Indonesia with the latest on our Canadian men's national team out at the FIBA World Cup. Really looking forward to it. And, of course, we'll be all over tonight's game and get you ready for the weekend and finish it off with a marble race tomorrow. Um, great show today. Thanks to Dave McCarthy. Thanks to Mo Khan, Darren Bombing, and Ken Weeb. Have a great time at the game tonight. If you see myself or Remus, make sure to say hi at IG Field. And otherwise, 
We'll see you tomorrow to break it all down. 1 p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day and all of you for making us a part of yours. Have a great one and uh, go blue. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.